Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us hear the word of God as we find it written in St. John's Gospel, reading there in the 11th chapter, the 25th verse. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Good morning, dear friends in Christ Jesus. I hope that all of us rested well and that we are happy to be here in God's house at this hour. Today, as I announced, is the last Sunday after Trinity. That means that today is also the last Sunday of the present church year. Next Sunday is the first Sunday of Advent, and that begins a new church year. It has been the custom for many generations in many Lutheran churches to set aside the last Sunday of the church year as a festival Sunday, and it is usually called Totenfest, which is a German word which means festival of the dead. And today we are going to celebrate of that festival, the festival of the Christian dead. It is nice as we end the church year just to pause in our busy day and to think about our Christian dead. I know that you have vacant chairs in your homes, and I know that I have vacant chairs in mine. It is well that we stop and we talk about our Christian dead and you say, where are they? Are they happy? Will we really ever see them again? And in our weeping we may say we turn for comfort and we turn to Christ for consolation. We turn to him for solace. We turn to him for joy as regards our departed loved ones. The word of God that I just read is very appropriate for this Sunday. If you recall, Jesus spoke these words in Bethany when he had come to visit Mary and Martha and Lazarus, you know, had died. And as he was talking to Martha, he made a tremendous statement to her, one of those great I am statements. He said, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Martha, I want you to know that I am the one that raises dead bodies. I am the one that gives eternal, everlasting life. That's what he told her that day before the tomb of Lazarus. And today on Totem Fest Sunday, when we think of our Christian dead and we look to him for comfort, Jesus says to you and me, write this on your hearts. Don't ever forget it. Let this be your comfort, your consolation, your solace as regards your Christian dead. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the one that raises the dead. I am the one that gives eternal life. And you and I this morning may say, it's hard to believe that here is comfort and solace and joy as regards our departed loved ones whom we have loved more than life itself because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And we may say, what does that assure us as regards Jesus and Really, what comfort and consolation does the fact give us that Jesus is the one that raises the dead, that he is the one that gives everlasting life? 
And in these quiet moments, Jesus would remind you and me that here is comfort. For in that great I am statement, I am the resurrection and the life, Jesus would remind you and me that this assures us that he was no less than God himself. He stood there at the tomb of Lazarus, and of all his earthly miracles, excluding his own resurrection, here was the greatest one because Lazarus, you remember, was dead for four days. Jesus stood before that tomb and said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus came forth. Jesus proved that he was the resurrection. He was the one that raised dead bodies. And because he is no less than God, here is our first comfort as regards our Christian dead. This comfort and this solace that they didn't make any mistake when they entered death with a living faith in Jesus Christ. Oh, we ought to comfort ourselves and say, thank God they knew Jesus Christ. They were not deluded. They did not put their trust in the wrong person. They did not put their confidence in someone who was not big enough. He was no less than God. Remember the great I am at the tomb of Lazarus. I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus would remind me what this assures the Son. It also assures us that Christ bore our guilt and our punishment and our stead on the cross. He was no imposter. He was no sham. He proved that at Bethany when he raised Lazarus. And therefore you and I know that because he is the resurrection and the life, that on the cross he bore our guilt and our punishment and our stead. He bore hell and damnation for you and me and all men. And in that great sacrifice, he merited a robe of righteousness for all of us, a robe whiter than snow, without spot, without wrinkle. And that means discomfort as regards our Christian dead today, that they died with a faith in Jesus as their Savior, and therefore they have stood before God, and they have passed that first judgment, that first resurrection, gloriously, successfully. We say, what happens to the soul at death? The Apostle Paul has answered that question for us when he said, it is appointed unto a man once to die, and after that the judgment. When you and I saw death come to our loved ones, their soul stood before God immediately for judgment. And what a comfort to know that they had on, through faith in Jesus, they had on that robe of righteousness which Jesus, the resurrection and the life, merited for them on Calvary. It covered up all of their guilt and all of their sins so that God looked at them and God said, I have nothing against you. You look as though you had never sinned. You are holy in my sight because the white robe of my son it covers up all of your sins and all of your transgressions. This was the great judgment. This is called the first resurrection. This is called the first judgment. And this is the most important judgment that will ever come to you and me. You realize that our Christian dead, they have passed that first judgment and they have received an acquittal. This is the judgment, or this first resurrection, as it is called, is the one that has decided their eternal destiny. It's all settled for them. They are eternally saved because they died in Jesus Christ. 
they have passed successfully this greatest of all judgments, the first judgment, the first resurrection, which has decided their eternal destiny. Shall you and I weep without hope when we realize that they have passed through death, that ordeal of death, and that they have stood before God having the robe of Jesus Christ, and they have been acquitted. That's comfort, isn't it? Jesus says to you and me as we turn to him, and we look for consolation, and we look for solace, and we look for comfort as regards our Christian dead, he would remind you and me as he did Mary and Martha, remember, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the one that raises the dead. I am the one that gives everlasting life. And that guarantees you and me this, that he arose from the dead, and then he ascended into heaven. This Christ that you and I know, who is the resurrection and the life, he was no imposter, he was no sham, he was no make-believe. On Easter morning he arose from the dead again with his body, showing that he had conquered Satan and hell, showing that he was the Savior, that he had opened up the way of salvation, and then 40 days later, you recall, he ascended into heaven. He went back to heaven with his body. And you and I say, when he arose from the dead on Easter, where was he? From Good Friday afternoon at 3 o'clock until Easter morning? That isn't difficult. As we turn to the words on the cross, you and I know that, remember when he spoke to the malefactor who had turned to him and said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Remember Jesus says, today, malefactor, you're going to be with me in paradise. Now, paradise is a park. It's like the Garden of Eden. Jesus says, I'm going to paradise, and malefactor, I'm going to take you along with me. And then remember his last word, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. He put his soul in the hands of God. At three o'clock on Good Friday afternoon, Jesus went to heaven without his body. His spirit went to heaven and he took the soul of the malefactor. What comfort that is when you and I say to ourselves this morning, where are my loved ones? Where are they? Are they eternally asleep in the grave? Is it true, as some are trying to say, uh, that the soul and the body die, that they're sort of a suspended animation and that they are both in the grave and that they have ceased to exist? Listen, you don't have to be a theologian to know that when on the cross Jesus went to paradise, commending his soul to his heavenly Father, and took the soul of the malefactor, you and I have this comfort that our loved ones are in heaven with Jesus now. They are without their bodies, to be sure, but they are enjoying the unspeakable riches of God's glory in heaven now. What a comfort for you and me. And we say, do they know what's going on down here on earth? You and I may say, do they know how we're grieving? Do they know the tears that we shed? Do they know how lonely we get at times? Well, may I say, Christian friends, in the Word of God, I find no passage that gives us an answer to that question. And I like to believe that they don't know what's going on down here, lest indeed the eternal bliss that is theirs may be marred. But oh, what joy to know this, that they are in heaven in paradise with their Savior that there shall be no more crime. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There will never be another tear. No heartache, no illness. Nothing will ever mar of that soul of theirs in the presence of God. This is comfort. Jesus, when he stood at the tomb of Lazarus, he said, Martha, don't you remember? I am the resurrection and I am the life. You and I say, as we weep for our Christian dead, and we say there's the vacant chair and it stands there, 
and it's going to be there. What is their comfort and our sorrow? And Jesus says, let me assure you, I am the resurrection and I am the life. You and I may say, what guarantee does that give us and what comfort? Why, Jesus assures us that it gives us this guarantee that he's going to come again and he's going to raise all the dead for the second and the final judgment. Remember, he said, I'm coming back. And he said, I'm going to raise all the dead and they'll all stand before him. And then there's going to be a second judgment. And this is also called the second resurrection. This will be the judgment when all nations shall stand before him. When he shall divide the human race. He shall separate them as a shepherd divides the sheep from the goats. And the sheep on the right and the goats on the left. This will be the great judgment of division. This will be when we'll all stand before him. It will be on the basis of a faith that has shown itself in mercy, inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren. It will still be on the basis of faith in him as Lord and Savior. Was it a living faith that showed itself in mercy and in kindness? He's coming back because he is the resurrection and the life. He proved it at Bethany. He's no sham. He is no false Jesus. He is not one that cannot be trusted. He says, are you weeping? Have you forgotten that I am the resurrection and I am the life? And you may say, well, what comfort is that that he's coming back? It's this comfort about our Christian dead. You know, they have no fear of that second judgment, that second resurrection at all. They know it's coming. They know that there will be another judgment, but they know that the first judgment has decided their eternal destiny, and they're looking forward to that because they know ahead of time that they have already been saved eternally. This division doesn't scare them one moment. They know that they shall stand on his right side this second judgment is that man may see the living Christ and may view the judgment of the last day. Our loved ones have no fear of it whatever. And yet we weep for them, do we not at times? We ought to say to ourselves, thank God, look at the advantage they've got. They've gone through this ordeal of death. You and I have still got it to go through and God knows what it may be in your life and mine. It may be a long, lingering, painful experience or it may be your life and mine snuffed out in the twinkling of an eye. They've gone through that. They've gone through the first resurrection. It's already decided. They have a verdict of acquittal. They know they're saved. And no fear of the second judgment, knowing that they are God's forever and ever. Oh, what comfort we ought to have in that assurance. We ought to sort of envy them. And yet there is that they can share, isn't there, in your home and mine. There is that feeling of loneliness. But only those that have a vacant chair know anything about it, isn't that right? It never gets easy. The loneliness and the heartaches and the tears and the longing. We say on this totem fest, where is their comfort in Jesus as he stood at the tomb of Lazarus at Bethany? He says, here is comfort, here is consolation, here is joy regarding your departed loved ones. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the one that raises the dead. I am the one that gives everlasting life. This assures you and me that when he comes again, he's going to give his own glorified bodies. We say, when our bodies shall be raised from the dead and the bodies of our Christian dead 
what kind of a body will they have? What is a resurrected body like? When they say, will I be old or will I be young? Will I be pretty or will I be ugly? How will I look? If I have been crippled and missing a limb, as one of you asked me last week, will it be gone in that resurrected body? When you and I turn to the Word of God, the Word of God says that we shall be like Him. Tremendously comforting, isn't it? Oh, yeah, but when your dead bones and mine, even though they have returned to the elements whence they have come, and the dead bones of our Christian loved ones, when they are called back on the last day by him who is the resurrection and the life, he assures you and me that our bodies will be like his body. And you know, more than that, I can't hardly wish for I don't know how to describe it, but I will say this, that if the body of my loved ones in Christ and my body raised from the dead will look and resemble the body of the living God, the Son, then I know it's going to be wonderful. It's going to be marvelous. A glorified, incorruptible body. I don't know how we'll look, but I do know that when he rose from the dead, he was the eternal Son of God. It was his body, glorified, incorruptible, and he says, don't forget, I'm the resurrection. I'll raise the dead bodies. I'm the one that gives everlasting life. No wonder you and I stop and we say, oh, it's beyond my comprehension, and it is, isn't it? Jesus says, are you weeping? As you look back, and who doesn't have a vacant chair? The older you and I get, the more vacant chairs we have, isn't that right? And we weep, and we long for our loved ones, and we say, oh, where is their comfort, and where is their consolation? And your Lord and mine says, Write it on your hearts. Don't you ever forget it. I am the resurrection and the life. And this assures you and me that when he comes again, he says, I'm going to create new heavens and a new earth. You and I say, new heavens and a new earth? Oh, yes, he's no sham. If he is the one who raises the dead, if he is the one that gives everlasting life, he is no less than God, and he is going to create new heavens and a new earth. And I say, why? Why? Because, let's put it this way, the present heavens and the earth, they got a dirty deal back in the Garden of Eden. When our first parents sinned, you see, God had to adjust the universe to man in sin. And I know there's a scientific reason why, again, when you and I hear of the great dun of thunder, what it is, but there's a spiritual meaning, too. The Apostle Paul alludes to it. He says, the whole creation groans in travail like it's ready to have a child. But when the thunderclap comes and it roars, God says, nature's crying for release, and when the winds howl, 
When the animals cry out in pain, they don't deserve to suffer. They never sin. They're crying out. Paul says, waiting. Waiting is a woman ready to give birth to a child. Waiting for the new heavens and the new earth. This is it. He's going to rectify what he had to do to this universe when man sinned. New heavens and a new earth and the former heavens shall again melt with fervent heat. New heavens and a new earth. And what is the comfort for us as regards our Christian dead? This, that we shall know one another even as we are known in Christ Jesus in intimate relationships that far surpass the most intimate and joyous relationship on earth, that of marriage. You and I will say, and some of you have asked me, I've been married twice. Will there be any embarrassment in heaven if I had been the wife of two men? Or you may say, if I had been the husband of two women, will there be any embarrassment? You know, marriage was instituted in Eden. It's the most intimate of all relationships and one that should be the most joyous if it's according to God's plan. We shall know even as we are known, but Jesus says there isn't going to be any marriage or giving in marriage in heaven. But we shall know one another. It'll be marvelous, isn't it? We say, what relationships could exist that will surpass and far outdistance the most intimate relationship that we know, I don't know. But I do know that God has prepared just such relationships. This is the joy. Oh, yes, we know them. We don't weep as those without hope. Shall we see them again? Oh, yes. Hi, Mom. Hi, Dad. Whoever they are, we shall know even as we are known in Christ Jesus relationships. Then Jesus, when he says, dry your tears. Remember, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the one that raises the dead. I am the one that gives everlasting life. This guarantees you and me that this new heaven and this new earth that he will create, united with the new Jerusalem, it is going to continue forever and forever without end. John on Patmos, you know, got a vision of the new heavens and the new earth. Then he also got a vision, says, And I, John, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem. This is God's home. He says, Coming down from heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. John says, In the new heavens and the new earth, the holy city, God's home, is going to be united with the new heavens and the new earth, and God's going to tabernacle with us, and we're going to tabernacle with him. And it's going to go on forever and ever and ever. And I say, what's the comfort? The comfort is that when we are reunited with our loved ones in Christ, when we are raised from the dead and have incorruptible glorified bodies and we are in the new heavens and the new earth, that it will go on forever and ever. And we'll feel at home. We'll feel at home. Do you know of any greater joy than to feel at home? So many of you have asked me, how do you like your new home, Reverend? And I answer, oh, it's fine. And I would certainly say to you that it's the nicest home that I've ever lived in in my life. 
But I would not be honest if I didn't say, but I don't feel at home there. You may say, why? Why, because you see, it's so different to get used to. I feel at home over there. You see, that's where our little girls grew up. That's where we had a lot of fun. That's where we did a heap of living for 35 years. That's where we enjoyed our dogs, letting and pumping. That's where we watched for the grace of God this church grow. That, that's home over there. Oh, I, I will feel at home. It's going to take time. But as yet, no. But isn't it wonderful that you and I, when we are reunited with our loved ones, we're going to feel at home, wanted, forever and forever. There is no grander feeling of why? Because this Christ who is the resurrection life went to heaven, he's got a body. He's a human being. He's got the five prints, the two in his hands, and the one in his side, and the two in his feet. He's a human being. And when you and I see those prints, we will remind ourselves we love this a lot. We're going to feel at home. At home. Wanted. That's heaven. That's heaven. When we have communion this morning, we ought to say, since our loved ones can't come to us, but we are going to go to them. Well, isn't it a wonderful thing that in the Lord's Supper, Jesus says, here is my body and here is my blood to assure so that when the day comes that I will call you, that you will be ready for the eternal mansions. This is his joy. And so as we weep our tears, oh, we can shed buckets to be sure because it is lonely, but they are never tears without hope. We know that it's going to be our readers, aim, that we're going to see them again. And all this ought to be our joy as we bring this church year to an end. We weep over our loved ones who are gone. We can say, but I have hope. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And we walk with him, whispering hope like the song of the angels. Jesus, thy love is sweet music sweet music to me. Amen. The peace of God which passeth all human understanding, keeping unite your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting.